0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited that you are here. My name is Amanda Joy Loveland, and I am your host for this podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. This is for sure a passion project and something that's very close to my heart and something I never thought I would be doing. We are sharing our stories of why we left religion, what we've learned through it, and how we moved through it with as much ease and grace as possible. This is a place of community and gathering and is not a place for bashing. So I am excited to welcome you to the conversation and welcome you to my show. Well, welcome. I'm sitting with Tony Gerber, and I am so thrilled you are here. You're actually my first guy to be on the podcast. Nice.
1: What an honor. What, what?
0: I know. I'm like, who are the guys that I know that have left religion that would be good to have on the podcast? And you were one of them, even though we've just, like I've known your wife for a long time, since mm-hmm. high school, but we've just gotten to know each other. So, and I really, I don't even know your story. So this is going to be fun Fun for me. Did you do sure. the all the Mormon things?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was raised that way. Um, you,
0: you grew up here in Utah, right?
1: Yeah, I grew up uh, Utah, Idaho, um, mo- but yeah, mostly Utah and Idaho.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I had uh, my biological mother lives in Florida. Oh, okay. So my parents divorced when I was really young. So I did, I did live in Florida for a few years. So,
0: so you've kind of been all over. Yeah. So were you raised Mormon then?
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: Did you buy into it?
1: Well, there was nothing to buy into. Um, that's just how life is. Uh-huh. Right. Um, you know, of course, uh, I, I think a lot of, for me personally, it fit well because it was a very good way for me to be able to express, uh, approval, like to be able to get approval because if I, if I did a really good job in school and, um, church and everything like that, then I knew my parents loved me. So, Aww. I mean, not to get into childhood issues, but um, it's something that <laughs> it's as some I, time, I look back, therapy. yeah, as I look back, like uh, that was uh, kind of how we qualified ourselves, you know, as mm-hmm. children in order to, we wanted to do the right things. Yeah. So it worked very well for me because it gave me another venue for which I could excel.
0: Hmm. And did you excel?
1: Yeah, I did really good. I gave good talks. Um you know, it, when I was really young, I knew all the scriptures and st- oh, people yeah. would say stuff like, oh, you know, if he keeps going, he could be the next prophet. And Oh, it, yeah, you so know. you were just
0: climbing that spiritual ladder.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, you know, but I, you don't aspire to callings, but I knew that it was probably going to happen. You
0: mm-hmm. know, no, but. You know what? <clears throat> I'm vaguely remembering that that's something that Randy told me years and years ago when we sat at lunch. Anyway, t- super random side note that like, I'm like, I feel like she's mentioned that. That you were on track to be, you know, next prophet.
1: Oh, who kn- who knows? But I mean, that, that's, of course, my younger years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as I got older, so I was pretty good about everything uh, until I started getting into high school. Yeah. And um, what is uh, so my parents were both school teachers. And so everything was like pretty strict, very strict household. Uh, My dad was raised more strict than I was. Like his dad was like really tough, grew up ranching. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it was the type of really rough type Mm -hmm. of life with rough men. Um, And he was was born with asthma and hay fever and everything and worked on a ranch and they didn't understand it. And so like, his childhood, um, I know my grandpa was really rough on him. And so I look at my childhood, and I'm like, wow, he was way easier on me, but he was still really strict. But mm-hmm. I knew when he was a kid, like uh, uh, he told me once he got beat for getting asthma while they were putting up hay. Oh and and they viewed it as a weakness and they didn't mm-hmm. understand it. So it's like you can't blame people for what they don't know. But um, as I got into high school... Um, it was like you got to do get your Eagle Scout, you got to graduate seminary, and I just didn't enjoy it, so mm. I ended up not graduating seminary, even though I attended. Mm. Um, and I remember that was a big disappointment uh, to my parents.
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah, especially if you were the the kid that excelled.
1: Yeah that that started like. As I got older, that became less and less. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it was never important to me. Again, Mm -hmm. it was just an outlet that I could gain some more, um, I guess, uh, love and acceptance, Mm -hmm. you know. But as I got older, um, and I think as I got more exposed to other ideas, then I began to think more. Um, I did debate in high school, Um, I enjoyed researching. Um, Then I got to kind of a point where I felt like seminary was pointless to do just for the purpose of seminary. Like, I, I just didn't understand why going to seminary would make me a better person than I already was. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's it's kind of like that achievement thing. But I started falling out of that idea of I need to achieve all of all of this stuff at that point. Mm. So, yep. And I went to, so I graduated high school, went to Rick's College in Idaho.
0: BYU, uh-huh. Idaho,
1: the most righteous campus on earth. Mm-hmm. And I remember my, it was my first day going to get my student picture ID and, um, I was drinking a Mountain Dew on campus.
0: Oh no. Yeah.
1: It was, it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> literally Did they
0: reprimand you right there.
1: No, a girl stopped. Did Another she? student stopped and, and looked at me and said, I can't believe you would even drink that Aww. on campus. And then kept walking. And I was just like, what the heck did I get into? Because, you know, I went because it was like close to home. Like mm-hmm. I, li- I was in Twin Falls where I graduated oh, yeah. high school. Oh, so cool. Rexburg wasn't that far away. Mm-hmm. Um, it was inexpensive, good education, church school, great. Yeah. So I went in to get my picture. I got sent home because I had too much facial hair, which I was like back then. I'm like, give me that magnifying glass. <laughs> let, me, let me see that. Are you sure? So, so I had to come back again to get my student ID picture taken and... um. Rick's college was instrumental in breaking me from uh, what I would call like the religious habit. Hmm. Um, Not only because it was so overboard strict with with everything. um, And I naturally had a streak of not liking control. Mm -hmm. And I naturally rebelled against that. And so um, it pushed me further away instead of drawing me closer in. And I think that's a theme that I would express throughout my whole journey Mm -hmm. is that the more that people have tried to exercise control over me instead of drawing me in with their love, um, the worse I've reacted to that. Yeah. And I don't always want to be reactive in life. Like I want to be aware enough to understand when that's happening, (laughs) but looking back, I can see that that's, that's part of what, um, Mm -hmm. pushed me to start to think about other things. I had a really great uh, philosophy class up at rick's and it was actually some of the questions that they posed that made me um start to question things like what is our awareness Hmm. you know what really is awareness Mm -hmm. um how how to people how do you really judge a person like what's what standard um and and that carried on with me as i went on my mission Mm. because you did go on i did go on a mission yep And uh, I I ended up going to Taiwan, Mm -hmm. and uh, I really enjoyed it. Like, it was a great experience. And up to this point, I would say I never really had any negative experiences in the church. Um, I I am going to touch on one thing real quick, because we mentioned it. So when I was in high school, we had a Sunday school teacher, and... And this is only important to me because I've heard other people's stories. And a lot of other people have issues with religion or the church, like the LDS church specifically, um, because they've experienced specific abuse mm-hmm. or they have a specific person that's influenced them so deeply. And it's been such a strong emotional experience that that's, that's drastically changed their thought and their perception mm-hmm. of, of whether this is good or evil. So in high school, um, there was a guy that taught Sunday school, owned a construction company, pretty big shot in town in some ways. Um, I, I didn't ever like the guy that much. Um, one of my best friends went and started working for him and then he got all moody and I couldn't hang out with him. He was impossible to get along with long story short, um, this guy had been abusing him and had been abusing like six other boys and he'd get him to work for him. And then it'd be the cool guy and be like, Oh, you can drink a little bit. You can watch a little porn. And then he'd, you know, I can't remember what they call it. There's some term for it. Cause uh, a coaching video told us about it once, um, mm-hmm. for soccer, but, um, anyway, grooming or whatever oh, anyway. Yeah. So, um, and my, my best friend was so ashamed. He wouldn't even tell me. And um, it was a great lesson for me as a friend because I kind of pushed him away because he was such a jerk. I didn't want to hang out with him instead of learning empathy at a younger age and saying, hey, you are a different person. I'm What's here for you. On, yeah. What's going on? And so it was a really tough lesson for me. Um, But this guy was, you know, in a position of authority, and he used that in his construction company and in the church and Mm -hmm. in other ways. And I am mentioning this because in that situation, he ended up committing suicide once he found out that, not my friend, but the guy, um, he found out that this was going to come out. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what he expected, but um, so he committed suicide. And I know my friend and I had the discussion, and he was bitter at the church for not having oversight my opinion on it is i think that that guy would have abused people whether he was in the church or just at his construction company Mm -hmm. because it didn't happen until my buddy went and worked for him Mm -hmm. and so i'm always just really careful i will never judge another person's experience but i don't always equate that that experience with the church as much as it's sometimes with people Mm -hmm. so i wanted to make that distinction but um Up until this point, when I left on my mission, I hadn't had any overwhelmingly negative experiences other than just really super judgmental jihadist Mormons up at Ricks, you know, and so I went to Taiwan good mission, Um, I would say that that was the turning point where I really started exploring, like, you know what? This might not be the right thing for me. Mm. One, I was exposed to Buddhist beliefs. Mm. And I I found some of them incredibly beautiful. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting with a zone leader, and we were going on splits, and I had to take this zone leader who I really did not like. Like, this guy was a dork. And we go to this guy that I had been going to for like a month. Super, super good guy. Uh, very thoughtful, thinks everything out. And a zone leader proceeds to tell him about, uh, you know, eternal families and everything like that. And, and this guy very politely says, yeah, you know, with, with my Buddhist beliefs, I just don't believe in that. I believe in reincarnation. And, uh, and so I, I'm happy for you guys. Um, I think family is extremely important, but I, I just will never get there. That's not going to be my belief. Mm-hmm. And the zone leader said to him, he said, you know what, that's so sad. It's so sad that you, you can't accept the, that families can be together forever, and, uh, and because of your belief, you're not going to be with your family. And the guy was really calm about it, and he said right back to him, he said, I know, and, and that's the thing, is everyone is part of my eternal family, mm-hmm. and I might be reincarnated and in my next life, I may have to love someone just as much as I love my family now. And who's to say that they're not as much my family as anyone else I've ever experienced? and and he said look i i i get what you're you're saying but um he said this is how i approach life and i don't i don't know but the challenge for me is to love everyone and i thought that was beautiful mm-hmm. like i thought it was a beautiful approach to um his spirituality and how he was expressing it yeah and it was about this time that i started developing the concept for myself that um when it came to organized religion i have a really big issue with anyone telling me um, what my relationship with God is like. Mm -hmm. And so many scriptures and everything I had read, there's, there's kind of a dichotomy where, um, I'm supposed to have a personal relationship with God and, and be personally spiritual, but yet someone else over here gets to tell me if I'm doing it right. And, and it really comes down to a question of authority, and they're claiming that they have authority to speak for God for me, even though everything else has already told me that I can talk to God directly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why would I go to someone else if I can just talk to God directly? And so it was ideas like that that I started thinking about. And um, so I started deciding that I believed organized religion if you are not exposed to other ideas like I wasn't. The only way that I knew how to express my spirituality when I was younger was through the LDS church, because that's the only language I knew. Mm -hmm. Like, people argue about the Bible all the time. Why? Because of the translation. Mm -hmm. You know, the Greek Bible um, can be translated so many different ways. Well, I kind of feel like spirituality and religion is the same thing. Yeah. You can only describe spirituality in the language that you've learned. Mm -hmm. And if my only language that I ever learned was the LDS doctrine, that is the only way I knew how to express my spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I had spiritual experiences. And I've had extremely spiritual experiences on the same level or higher outside of the LDS Mm -hmm. church. Yeah, And so I started deciding that... um, I was perfectly fine with the idea that I would define my own spirituality and how I was going to express it. Mm-hmm. And that whenever, you know, I felt guilty or shame for not falling in line, it's okay for me to accept that maybe I'm being a little bit too hard on myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I didn't nece- I haven't necessarily done anything wrong, but I was that conditioned to where I would st- if I stepped out of line, I would have la- like that latent guilt and shame, you know. Yeah. So I came back from my mission. Um, oh, I did experience like, again, it's like a repetitive thing that I've seen is just this judgmental. Here's the thing. I don't care if it's with LDS religion or other Christianity or, or whatever. Um, people have this, for some reason, this need to exercise control over other people and to do it by claiming a moral superiority. If you can act in God's name, you can do anything you want, um, and that that includes, you know, um, ignoring people's privacy, um, physically harming people. As as long as you feel like you have a moral superiority, then then you can do anything you want, and it's it's been shown in studies they've done psych, psychological studies where. Um, it, someone's more likely to harm someone if someone in a uniform gives them permission to. Mm-hmm. things like that. So um, you know, these are the concepts and ideas that I started knocking around in my head as I was really thinking about what spirituality meant to me. Mm-hmm. And so, after my mission, I was a lot more jaded, um, and only because I had seen missionaries that really were just so, Obtuse and close-minded about how they approached other people's spirituality, mm-hmm. you know, I, and so that's that's really what really got me out of the church. And that was a long, slow process. I wish today I had like a really cool story where I'm like, I was so brave that I just, (laughs) I I got my convictions and I, and I was like, damn it. I am not going to go to church again because I am so convicted. And I'm, I'm, I'm that strong and brave that I'm not going to, but no, it wasn't. It was like this.
0: Are you kidding? Like everyone that comes in here, their story is so unique, but it's very similar. There's always something that starts unraveling that um, programming really. Yeah. Like for me, as you're talking, I'm, I'm remembering, when I was 18, I think it was 18 or 19, going out on a date with some guy I met on I don't know what it was, ldsmatchmaker.com back then. Lived all the way up in Ogden, and I thought he was cool cuz he had a bike, you know, motorcycle. So we go up Ogden Canyon and there was a monk monastery up there. And um he took me there and we listened to these monks chant. And I was so overwhelmed with what I knew at that time was the spirit. And I was so confused. Like, how can I feel the spirit in this environment? It was, it didn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. But because, you know, and these are the stories of most of us that have had a lifetime of being raised and conditioned in the Mormon religion. That's our filter. That's all we know. And until you start having these experiences where it starts unraveling, most people's stories aren't like a, Yep. One and done. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm out. It's like, it's not that at all. Yeah. So I think your story is quite beautiful, Tony. So,
1: oh, okay. So knock it off. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was an evolution. So, but no, I have heard Isn't people. spirituality
0: that, though an evolution?
1: Yeah, I do. And that's where I, I, I'm like, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Because everything changes in life and you grow and develop. And, and as you do so, then it, you know, things happen.
0: And it takes time. It evolves. Yeah. I was thinking a lot today about how sometimes we think, especially with spirituality or really anything in life, this instant gratification or this instant needing something like, okay, I've decided I'm leaving this religion. Now, okay, now what's next? Instead of, hey, this is actually going to take a while to unwind. So be patient with yourself and going through the grieving process and... And I would be curious, so you go on a Mormon mission, you come back home, things are kind of starting to unwind, but you you and Randy married, had mm-hmm. kids, and did you get do the whole temple thing? Because you yeah. were Mar- Mormon uh-huh. yeah. still. Yeah,
1: we did. I was playing along still because I didn't have a better alternative, and it still worked for me. Yeah. Because the things I'm not going to discount are there's a lot of the core beliefs associated with, with Mormonism mm-hmm. that I, f- I feel very strongly about, that I do think are very important and that I would support. Because they're intrinsically sacred things to my being, Mm -hmm. whether I'm in the church or out of the church. They're things that resonate with who I am as a person, Mm -hmm. and they're part of my nature. Mm -hmm. And those things were fairly closely aligned. What I had absolutely zero interest in, but I I pretty much played along with at that point, was the um, organizational government part. Yeah, I thought it was a complete waste of time. Every meeting and everything else. In fact, when I was like, because I got put in, you know, elders' quorum, presidencies, and stuff like that, and I'd be like, well, why don't we focus on getting softball equipment and and going skeet shooting?
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: and as funny, more guys showed up. Imagine that. Yeah. But um, yeah. So at this point, we we got married, we had kids. Um, and and the other thing is is, um, my wife, uh, at at that time was. I mean, she was going through her own journey, but she wasn't telling me about it because she was worried that I would, I would like have an issue with her. She didn't even know that I was just like,
0: already. I can't
1: believe we spend so much time on church, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm like, well, I thought that was clear by the way I said, why don't we just hit sacrament this week? <laughs> you know? And, uh, but no, she, cause she was the type where like when we first got married, it's like, we cannot be late. Like she was like all in um if she ever had an issue she'd like flip through her scriptures and she's like it'll always tell me the right thing to do and and it could be like and she's going to probably get mad at me if she hears <laughs> this but it would be a verse that like to me meant nothing about like the situation she was in and she'd somehow like interpret Forget. it to where that is exactly what I needed to hear <laughs> and I, I
0: love it yeah and so, so, so i was
1: funny. i was like fine it probably was and and it's good that she was telling herself what she needed to hear mm-hmm. so um but yeah we did that and then eventually so she had some some what i would say negative experiences um and i think uh you know she's had people in positions of authority that have done things that she doesn't agree with um there was a lot of she's in the natural health space mm-hmm. so and there's a, a lot of um people that if you say no pharmaceuticals are really bad for people and you should try a healthy alternative um that didn't go well in a certain ward we were in where like the bishopric was basically made up of doctors. Oh. And so, and their wives were in relief society positions. And so there's just friction that has to do, nothing of this has to do with God. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's always the stuff that gets people started. And that's why I say it's always the people. Look, if, every, if, if you walked into an LDS church and everybody was completely loving and accepting and um, you could express any opinion, Without anyone flipping, like just flipping out, then I think a lot more people would go. That's all I'm saying. So she had started her journey, and at a certain point, she came to me and she said, "Look, I just can't do church anymore." And I was like, "Oh, okay, sweet." And she was shocked. She's like, "Really? Like, why didn't you say anything?" I to this day, like, she'll still say, "Like, why have you just never said anything about?" Like, why didn't you say anything? And I'm like, well, honestly, I thought you would get mad. And she's like, that's the same reason I didn't say anything because I thought you would get mad. Yeah. And um, and and the real issue is both of our families in our subconscious, we had the expectation that if we didn't do things correctly and we didn't go to church, someone was gonna get extremely angry with us mm-hmm. because both of our families were very LDS. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was that fear that held us back from being authentic with each other even as a husband and wife mm-hmm. and so I think in life every time that that we're afraid to be authentic with someone um, then that's that's our nature pushing us to examine things further mm-hmm. and so that was it was kind of that situation so we ended up not going anymore um, they did the the normal thing where they tried to visit us and then they tried to give me callings and I'm like, you don't want me to You don't want me to be in a position where I teach people because I'm going to teach them to think for themselves Mm -hmm. and and then you're going to have trouble. Um, (laughs)
0: We're going to have a mutiny on our hands. Yeah.
1: Hey,
0: before you continue your story, one thing I would love to get your perspective on and your thoughts on is when you, at, from the masculine perspective, when you went through and did the endowment session, because for me, one of the big kick kickers was when the women had to bow their heads and say yes to their husbands as the husbands communicated to God. Do you remember mm-hmm. this part in the endowment? What was your thought on that? Was that ever like a... What, it,
1: it wasn't effective. Like I've found that after that... Like, there's a lot of times that I would say stuff and my wife would not do it. <laughs> so, I think it, as a ceremony, we need bullshit. to retool that. Yeah.
0: Well, it's no longer in there um, from what I've been told. They took it out.
1: Yeah. So, I guess um, my view of that is I mean, I, I'm not, first of all, I'm not surprised because the church is a patriarchal society.
0: You're not surprised that it was in there? That it was that in there. T- uh-huh. Yeah.
1: In fact, I bet if you go back further in church history, it was probably more um, strongly expressed. um just like I, you know I'm temple ceremonies used to be on pain of death, you know, things like that, if you ever mm-hmm. talked about it, not mm-hmm. just, I mean, things used to be a lot more secretive, yeah, and and a lot more severe with uh-huh. punishments. so um, now, as a my view of ma- how masculine, Energy and feminine energy need to interact, meaning a man and a woman is I believe men should be leaders. That's my personal belief. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm not saying women can't lead. Mm-hmm. That so was my don't first like you're sitting don't, next to don't a always take
0: woman that's like, yeah, oh, really.
1: <laughs> don't take um, a statement about men and flip it into something that it means anything about women.
2: You're right.
1: If I wanted to talk about women, I would talk about women. Uh-huh. I'm talking about men right now. Mm-hmm. I think men should be leaders. Mm -hmm. I think they should be leaders in their family and the leadership should start with themselves. And if they can't lead themselves and decide what's sacred and important for them individually without having to have religion tell them, then it's harder to be a leader. That's just my personal opinion. No, I would agree with you. Um, And I think there are situations in life where no matter, no matter what happens, there's the possibility that a man and a woman may not agree. Um, I don't believe anyone should promise that they like in like I should not have to promise today that I am going to do everything you say five years from now. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because what if they tell me to jump off a cliff? I'm gonna be like, no, thank you. Um, I I believe very strongly in sovereignty, both for men and women. Mm-hmm. Like I think we're all individuals, and I think we need to act that way. And and so I, I'm just personally not that big on an expression of masculine energy. Being that I need to force someone to promise to obey me. Because if they're not obeying me because they want to, something's wrong with me. Like I'm not expressing myself as a man to make it worthy for them to follow me. It's not because of their promise. Mm -hmm. That's like, to me, that's like one of the weakest things we could do is say, you have to promise to do what I say because I'm so insecure that I'm not going to do the right thing that you might not follow me.
0: So blindly follow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, so, and it's and it's a contradiction, not,
0: and you're not saying necessarily that you can't like Randy's a very strong female, sure. So it's not that you're saying that both men and women can't be strong leaders. No, but you're just specifically talking. With there's them absolutely. Men. I just want to clarify for yeah. anyone listening. I'm understanding that, but I just want to make sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, there's fantastic strong women leaders, and I think men and women need to counsel together mm-hmm. when they make decisions. And I think that especially if it's an important one, it, it should bear some thought, and you know, not anything rash and And I think a very negative uh, a negative expression of male masculinity is control and domination mm-hmm. um, of a relationship, especially. Okay, so and and it's a waste of resources. Like, why would you not accept the counsel and? um virtues of a strong woman that is a leader in her her own rights. Like to me, there could be nothing better than when you have that synergy of other people. It's like if you have someone in a boardroom and you have all these board seats and the the chairman of the board though makes all the decisions and doesn't listen to anyone. It's like, well, why even have the board seats?
0: So you're talking more of co-creative relationships versus codependent.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, when I when these types of things come up, I try to just speak from the aspect, like from the point of view of a man, mm-hmm. because I don't I don't like speaking um, as a woman because I've never been a woman. Yeah. So I figured that not that, in this life. That's their that's their business, <laughs> you know. Um, now yeah. I can I can give suggestions, but <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> so I interrupted your story. You were yeah. talking about Randy and and her at that point, um, saying she was done, and the family. You know, you guys were worried about how the fa- your families would react. How was it after that point? Was it difficult to leave? Was it?
1: So I'm pretty sure, um, like my parents were going to do like an intervention at my workplace. Oh, how without funny. telling me. Um. And one of my uh, family members called me and said, hey, heads up, like they've been like talking about this because it's like a rumor mill. Like nobody wants to really talk to you and communicate directly. Mm -hmm. And so um, they do it indirectly and they create all these illusions of what that means. Like, you know, now he's not going to church. He must be, you know... Drinking himself to blackout every night and having swingers parties now, you know, it's like and smoking pie like it's Uh, it's like they create all these illusions of what that means. And so um, you
0: must not be in your right mind if you're making this choice.
1: Yeah. And I told that family member, I said, look, uh, can you express to them without telling them that you you spoke to me that that's probably a really bad idea for them to corner me as I'm coming out of work and say, you know, we've got to have a religious intervention. Um, I just know myself and that, that would have gone down very poorly.
0: It would, I think that would have gone down poorly for most people. That's pretty. Yeah.
1: So the, the result though, um, to keep it simple is both families, I think for a while were uncomfortable, didn't know how to act. And so everybody kind of ignored it. Yeah. And it eventually kind of went away to, but there, it's not like there weren't casualties. So I don't have a close relationship with a lot of people in my family anymore
2: because
1: mm-hmm. a lot of our events were like baptisms and it's like you lose your common ground. That's such a, a large part of the foundation that made up that social interaction yeah. that now it's it's almost like sometimes with people in my family I haven't talked to for a while, we sit down and it almost feels like we don't have anything to talk like we can't connect. Mm-hmm. And if they bring up church stuff, like it's kind of like at first you you don't mind if we talk about this baptism, right? And I'd be like, no, I Bye. I don't care. You know, that's <laughs> that's great, you know, knock yourself out, you know. So, it's just it, it got weird. It got weird, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um that's kind of the best way to describe it. Um so they don't really talk to us a lot about church stuff yeah. now and they kind of ignore us and let us do our own thing. Um but I do miss some of the close connections that we used to have. And I think um Whenever you change your, uh, the way you do life, it disrupts other people's status quo Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you're not acting the way they expect you to act. And that's, that's frightening to them. Um, the, the most safe thing in the world is when everything we expect to happen always happens. And we constantly try to control our environment to keep it there. So, when someone close to you all of a sudden changes, then that can be a really frightening thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just don't know how to react to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's kind of how it ended up. I mean, we still have good relationships and everything. Um, It just seems like they don't talk to us as much and things like that.
0: Yeah. I feel like I've noticed the same. Because um, having any kind of religious conversation would end up ending in or creating some sort of conflict. At least in my dynamic, and so it's just avoided.
1: Yeah, and for me, I never got angry. Like um, I
0: didn't really either.
1: I think Randy was a little different. Like you know, she views it as, and some people can view it this way to where they they're the type of people that are very they have strong convictions and they want to save everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, if all of a sudden they believe that everyone over here is being misled and and brainwashed and everything like that, then it becomes their crusade to go and, and change them and, and, and free them from the church. Um, and I'm not saying that's what my wife's like. I'm just saying she's more this that happens, way. That's though. more that way than... She got into more arguments about religion and I got in basically none <laughs> because I'm the type of person where I'm like, as soon as something doesn't serve me, I'm like, I'm done.
0: There's no reason to be here.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't mean anything to me. Like I literally don't attach the same meaning to it anymore, and so it kind of loses its power. Mm-hmm. And and so I just I can literally start to move in a different direction pretty quickly. Um, with some things, I have my own hangups, of course. But um, I've I've never I understand it, but I've never been that way because to me it's it's almost the the same thing that the church is doing when when they you know someone gets really extreme in trying to save you so that you go to heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's kind of just the same thing, but coming from opposite Mm -hmm. directions. And I'm like, um, honestly, I think that if both parties could love each other, be very authentic and not try to control each other, um, there would be like, there'd be less conflict. I agree. Yeah.
0: For a while in my, I feel like when I do sessions, I'll notice similar themes that will pop. And about... Oh, I, about six months ago, the same theme was popping over and over again, which was the savior complex. And there's this, there's this really interesting dynamic that has happened in our, in our planet, especially in the United States, especially with Christianity. We hold so deeply to worshiping Christ. And yet, if Christ was here now, he would be crucified all over again. In fact, Mm -hmm. history shows that there's been many types of Christ that have been crucified and reborn. In fact, I was just watching something around Egypt, and I can't remember who it was, that very similar story, and I was somewhat blown away. And, and what's fascinating, too, is we all carry some of that with, within us, so that if we step out of a religion, I, for example, Mormonism, and we now start going on our own spiritual, this is what I believe, and now I'm going to go shout it, we have this fear we will be crucified because that is somewhat in our holding as Christianity and Christians. we sure. worship Christ. I mean not just Christ, but that's what is ingrained in us. So it's an interesting um, paradoxical holding that most people don't realize that most Christians hold within them. If I step out of this and I start going through my own spiritual journey, I will eventually be crucified And am I brave enough to do that?
1: Yeah. No, I completely agree. I, I think if a man had a, a or a woman had, had a, <laughs> has, has a, I don't want to be here. No, uh, if they had like a profound religious experience and they stood up and said, "I am God," they would be well. That dude's crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or if it, if he was compelling enough that he threatened that religion, he would be taken out. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think if Jesus did the same thing today, like, I'm not as hard on the Jews for killing Christ as I think a lot of other people are, because I'm like, I think anyone would have done that. That's why he was so careful about not expressly saying, I'm, you know, the son of God. There there was that time in the Bible where the Jews wanted to interpret it that way, and they all picked up rocks, and they were going to stone him. And they're like, well, you say you're the son of God, that's you know, blasphemy and everything. And he's like, well, wait a second. In Psalms, it says, aren't we all created in the image of God? Aren't we all mm-hmm. um, part of God and everything like that? And and so he, you know, he he said, look, it's open to interpretation. We're all made right. in the image of God, and therefore we're all sons and daughters of God. And, mm-hmm. and so... uh But, you know, he spoke in parables. He did all of these things, and it's because I think he knew that, like, if he would have just stood up and said, yeah, I'm divine, Mm -hmm. or I have a connection with God that you guys don't, Mm -hmm. and so because of that I'm going to teach you some of these profound things that I've learned, that, yeah, they would have just taken him out.
0: Well, in some aspects, it's what you were talking about earlier with the – um, I can't remember the words you used, but essentially the top down, the the righteous. Um, what were you saying earlier with this? I'm going to save you, kind of mentality that oh, gives okay. people. What yeah, it's
1: as moral superiority. Yes, so
0: which so, is somewhat what he was holding.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's a common way you see that in every argument, even in Congress. Like if it's for the children, you've got the moral superiority to do anything. Yeah. And so here's the thing is if you look at history and you go throughout history, it's the same thing I ran into with with stupid APs on my mission that felt like they could go through all my belongings when I wasn't there, which they did, looking for contraband. Not okay. You know, know, stuff like that. And I got called to the carpet for an Enya CD one time. And I'm like, are you kidding? Who could get mad at Enya? I mean, the Celts...
0: Yeah, it's the best. I CD. know. I love Edna.
1: It was my easy <laughs> listening while I was falling asleep to scriptures. Oh, I love it. Um, anyway, but that moral superiority is what gives them the right to do whatever the heck they want. Mm-hmm. And and if it is frightening to any organized religion to face the possibility that God may not approve with their authority mm-hmm. or the way they're doing something, mm-hmm. and that will always be suppressed. Yeah. Because at a certain point in time, it—I mean, let's face it—organized it, religions become less about God and more about controlling the people involved in the organization.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly, true. Yeah, because yeah. I
1: don't think God would would run organized religions the way any of them are in.
0: Mm-mm. No, I so. agree with you. I think that's partly why you've you've chosen different paths. I've chosen different paths. Everybody on this podcast. Although I had someone reach out to me that she said, would you ever consider interviewing someone that's left religion and come back? And I'm like, absolutely. So we'll see yeah. if I have her on.
1: Well, and I honestly believe, again, what I was saying before, that I believe that um, religion can become, an, whatever your practice is, is an expression of your spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it serves you. Like there are things about the church that really served me. And there are some things that I think I really had to unlearn because they hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the two biggest were shame and guilt. Yeah. You know, I I think that, like, it's crazy to me that I get my mind wiped, I'm put down on a planet with messed up parents, (laughs) I'm not allowed to have any knowledge, and I have to blindly follow uh, commandments, and if I screw up, then I'm going to be judged forever. Mm -hmm. And no matter what I do, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. Well, Based on my knowledge, Jesus uh, was born of a virgin, which I cannot do. <laughs> he had, uh, you know, godlike knowledge. He could perform miracles um, and raise himself from the. Dead. Basically, he couldn't. He couldn't die. And then when he decided he could die, then he, you know, was reborn again. Um, and I am commanded to be like him, be perfect as I am. Okay. That basically you're setting me up. I know that I cannot be perfect, and any Christian will tell you that you can't be perfect. You're only saved by grace and everything. And and what it became though is to me it became a system of guilt. Yeah. You can never be perfect. In fact, you're rewarded the more humble and the more you acknowledge that that there's no way you can ever save yourself or anything like that. Mm-hmm. There's a huge payoff if you stand up in sacrament meeting, and you go over the ways that you are so humble and and. Uh, And, you know, you have trials and all this kind of stuff, and and you're a victim. Mm -hmm. And I just, I I hated that. I hated that, and I hated the idea that I was an orphan. And what I mean by that is that God created this great universe, and then all of this other stuff. And then towards the end, he created someone called man. And not only did he do a bad job, because they don't have the ability to ever live up to his expectations. So he created him wrong. And then put them down, and the game commandments he knew they couldn't follow. And then he had his real son, that like his real son, <laughs> who said, "You know what? You know we could adopt these guys. Like we'll we'll have this like plan of salvation thing, and we'll adopt these guys. So even though they don't deserve it at all, like nothing they did is good enough. Um, we'll figure this out, and we'll adopt them into the family. And so it makes it feel like you're not even a part of this universe."
0: Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I didn't think about it like that.
1: And I don't believe that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I actually believe that every single person, everything we do is an intrinsic part of the natural order of the universe. Mm -hmm. And that I have my role is as natural as the planet revolving around the sun. And I am as integrated and as a part of that as anything that exists. Mm -hmm. And if that's an expression of God, I am a true expression of God, just like the universe is. And that's my belief, not this orphan mentality. Yeah. And so that's where I, you know, I have some issues. And I also think God's a little needy. I mean, why is he commanding me to love the, him? The
0: Mormon God or your God now?
1: I'm just talking the Bible God.
0: The Bible God.
1: Okay, so he commands me to love him, <laughs> but I have to do it because I want to. I can't do it because it's a commandment, because if I do it that way, then it's not the same because it doesn't mean as much, you know, <laughs> it's it's like I'm forcing it because it's it's not, it's what's in your heart. It's not the actions you do that, you know, God's, God's really going to judge me by. Mm. And I don't want to be a Pharisee, so I can't go through all the actions. It, it's just, there's so many contradictions to it. And I'm like, God doesn't need my love. Mm-hmm. He doesn't interfere in my life. The moment he interferes in what I do, he becomes responsible. And how can he be a perfect God if he interferes? Hmm. Oh, and he put me down here, but he he loosed Satan to tempt me constantly. <laughs> so I got that guy, but I don't have anyone like in my corner, you know. What about
0: the Holy Ghost? You have the Holy Ghost.
1: Yeah, but he just doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have a third host to heaven.
0: But he leaves if you're evil, if you sin. That's true. And that, so that's conditional too. And
1: then I feel guilty because I made the Holy Ghost leave. <laughs> and and it, this is what I'm saying. It goes back to guilt is like, wait, 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 wait. And, and you know, excommunication to me is is symbolic of being kicked out of the presence of God.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And um, I've never been called to a church court or anything like that. And if I was, I wouldn't go mm-hmm. because I just don't believe in it. Yeah, and I don't care. It's it's like why would I go spend that time? Um, why would I take that time out of my life to try and defend myself? I don't, yeah. I don't really care what they In think. In front of a man. Yeah. So I really strongly believe that my relationship with God is personal
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, he is free to talk to me whenever he wants. It's an open invitation. Like he could literally appear to me. Um, I haven't had that happen yet. I put it <laughs> out there. I, 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 and I, I wasn't flippant about this. I sound flippant now, but at the time, as I went through the process, I was very serious, very intentional. And, um, I prayed you know, I asked for very specific things. Um, I knew my worthiness level as a person, as a human being, not as the church, um, may, may tell me, and I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like I really wasn't. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, I was naturally just being a pretty good person, but, um, you know, I gave God a lot of outs if he wanted to really impress me and he didn't take me up on that opportunity. Um, that being said, so, so I maybe have a different concept of spirituality um, than a lot of people, and um, I, I express it differently now, and I feel like it's very personal. So I don't ever judge anyone else's relationship mm-hmm. with God. I think that's a very personal thing, and I think I that agree. should be directly between them and, and God, mm-hmm. if they believe in God, you know? So did
0: you go through a phase, though, where the God that you had through Mormonism, the Mormon God connection, did he die? For
1: you, didn't really die. I think he. I basically settled on the idea that I think he's just been described wrong.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, and I. um
0: How's your relationship with God now? Versus then,
1: it's Is good, it... but like I'll be honest, like I don't, I don't feel like there's a, a, a white dude in a robe up in the I clouds, don't you know. And I actually don't feel like it's individualized, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I if you go back to what I said about being an integrated part of the universe, that's more along the lines. Like if to me, it's the idea of God, what, what is God to me? The idea of God to me is being expressed constantly on an ongoing basis as, as I look out in the world and as I interact. And so if anything, I'm an, I'm an expression of God. That's where I think Mormonism got it right is I think we are gods Mm -hmm. um, in the fact that we we are completely free um, to express what I would say are godlike things like creation and, um, and and create whatever we want in this reality this life for ourselves mm-hmm. and, and to me that's the ultimate expression of God is is taking ownership for that and and being conscious and intentional with what you create in life because to me that's godlike and so. Um, that's what I try to focus on. That's what's important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I decide for myself what principles I hold sacred and those sometimes evolve as I gain a a better awareness of what, what that particular principle means. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at with religion. I, I believe you either have free agency or you don't. Yeah. So, and if we fought a war in heaven to have free agency, then why do we come down here just to be told what to do? Mm Mm-hmm. Good and, question. And why would God handicap my mind? Because the enemy to um, righteousness is knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you could be the, the best uh, disciple of a religion possible, the less you know. The more blindly you can follow and the less, you know, because you can only be judged if you do things intentionally wrong. Mm-hmm. If you accidentally do something and you didn't have another, well, he didn't know what he was doing. We can't judge him for that. So if you can stay ignorant and know as little as possible, then you can do You're very, you'll be the awesomest person, you know, on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that's what God wanted. I don't think he wanted to ha- handicap our minds. Mm-hmm. And not give us the free agency to go learn for ourselves, like what works and what doesn't work. And yes, there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows, but you can't experience the highs if you don't experience the lows. You don't Mm -hmm. even know what they mean. It's kind of like in a philosophy class if you have the question of, okay, if you could create anything you wanted just with intentional will, um, how long do you think you would go before you created, before you wanted to create something? where you wouldn't know what was going to happen next
2: Hmm. because you would get
1: so bored with having everything be perfection that eventually you'd be like, okay, I am. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to like die if something doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so who's to say that we aren't gods, that we reached that level already. And in order to gain more knowledge and experience and not know what's going to happen next, we, we created this experience for ourselves Mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting theories that you can think about. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things I mull over from time to time. From
0: time to time. So there, I mean, everything that you've shared, there have been some really positive things for you as far as experiencing the Mormon religion and then choosing out. Um, I think what's fascinating, and I'm sitting here because I, again, with this podcast, I want to always try and be very intentional that and recognizing You know, the people that do choose to stay in, it's not that they're more ignorant or they're more, you know, and and I love everything that you're sharing because I think it's quite fascinating with some of these perspectives with, yeah, the most righteous people will be the ones that do follow blindly. Because when you do start asking questions, you start opening up to another world that is right in front of us, at least in my experience, in your experience, everyone that I'm speaking with, it's the same in their experience. God changes from this limited God, this conditional God, to all of a sudden, all-encompassing, unconditional love God that isn't this man in a robe, but that is more of an energetic connection. And what's fascinating to me is um, recently I've met a few people that are brilliant, and their minds think a lot like yours and mine, and they still choose into Mormonism. And there's a part of me that is fascinated with that. Like how, because, in, and this is where we're talking about, or where um, we're talking about some people that are, you know, why are you still choosing in? Why are you, why are you choosing to this religion? If you have this ability to really be this expansive and go astral travel, for example, and go into all these realms and you still find your peace within the Mormon religion, it's really interesting to me. And I don't know if you've experienced that or if you have anybody in your network or your circles that that do choose into Mormonism and still have some of these more expansive thoughts instead of just listening to what is being preached.
1: Yeah. Um I've talked to some brilliant people too that are very, very much, you know, um in the church. They they believe everything, you know, very fervently and and these are extremely sharp people that have um, started tech companies and, you know, all kinds of things. And um, I mean, to your point, I think I think in life we end up doing what works best for us. Mm-hmm. And you can make an argument for anything. I agree. And if it works for you, you're going to figure out a way to justify it. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's it's impossible to argue with someone that says, you know what, I prayed about it and the Holy Ghost told me this is true.
0: Well, and then what is the point of arguing? Because this is, I mean, if, if yeah. this is our experience and our expression of how we want to live out in the world, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter.
1: Well, and that's kind of my response to that is like, I don't really care if, as long as it works for them. Yeah. You know, because who's to say that I'm not completely ignorant? Yeah. And the, yeah. And the stuff that I talk about today in 10 years, I'm like, Amanda, I need to talk to you. <laughs> we made a big mistake. I <laughs> came to me three times and said, what the heck?
0: what the no, i'm just kidding i love your pg language <laughs>
1: um but you know what i'm saying like uh who knows yeah
0: i learned in my life never to say never i've learned that lesson the hard way uh-huh. and who and my i feel like my belief systems are always changing and so i never feel like i hold really strongly on to one thing like do you have anything that's just for sure like this is a truth. I,
1: I don't really, um, there was a quote that I heard a, a long time ago. I don't even know who says it, so I can't give you know proper credit to it. But um, it was something along the lines of someone who's truly seeking, seeking truth. Well, that's kind of, I said true too much, but someone who's on the path of tr- like seeking truth is willing at any given moment to sacrifice everything they know up to that point if they discover it. Yeah. And the idea for me, I, I that really was res- it it um, resonated with me because I understood. I've been around long enough to know that things change, and some things that I thought were true, I get to a point where I'm like, well, I'm actually not sure about that, mm-hmm. and and I then I can get to a point where I'm like, I totally don't believe that. Yeah. And so, um, moral relativism is something that I don't love but i can understand and and that's the idea that um there may or may not you know there may not be set truths mm-hmm. um and set moral codes you know like something is either evil or good is it you know we don't know for sure and that's where moral relativism tends to make it to where oh you can somehow make anything okay Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of the trap too of of saying, "Well, truths always change, so it doesn't matter what's true. Can it really be true, or does it just something that works for me right now? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. like that's honestly, I don't know um, whether it's just part of our evolution, you know and and as you. As you grow and progress, then you tend to just live in a different fre- frequency and do different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's a higher or lower frequency. I'm just saying it's different. It just is. Yeah.
0: There's a spiritual saying, and I don't remember where it comes from, but that our belief that God created the earth so that He could experience all aspects of Himself, mm-hmm. and. Again, one of the things that's fascinating is is sitting here across from the table from so many different types of people in similar stories and very different, but always seeing the evolution to what you're saying with really, at the end of the day, coming to know more personally who we are. Mm-hmm. Like All of the stories that we're talking about are really coming to more of a deeper relationship with who we are and then what God looks like f- to us, whether it's more embodied or it's still outside of us. and. I think that's quite a fascinating thing. And I think to what you're saying, that is part of the evolution of, of why, in my belief, we chose to come down, you know, for experience, for understanding, for growth. And really, it's just, it, it's all about the one and the whole all at the same time. Now we're getting a little too.
1: Sure. I will say one other thing about people that um, are very intellectual um, and, very much like the idea of structured religion. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes back to a a lot of times in my experience, those people are also the type of people that like to have control and predictability in their lives. Mm. And so that works for them really well Mm -hmm. because they know exactly what they have to do to tell themselves they're a good person. Mm -hmm. And, and if they can intellectually integrate that with everything else, then that's even better. Yeah. And so I'm just saying like, I always try to look at why, why does this work for me too, Mm -hmm. and what insecurities do I have about one thing or another, you know? Because I think a lot of times we're motivated by fear is the greatest motivator. Yeah. So what what am I afraid of? Mm -hmm. You know, am I really afraid that God's gonna you know send me to hell? I mean, is that the worst that can happen? I don't know. Like, how could you have heaven if you didn't have hell? Because you wouldn't have anything to compare it against.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If we were all good and we all went to heaven, that'd be kind of boring.
0: <laughs> yep, it would be.
1: So I just don't believe that, though. Yeah. Like, I
0: don't believe what part?
1: I that there's like we get sent to heaven or hell or, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. I, and I don't think God's. Going to judge people that way if if even if it was that way if that makes sense so I'm kind of talking about two things here because I believe completely separate ideas now right. but at the same time I'm right. kind of contrasting it against the traditional belief right so.
0: well and here's another thing and and we'll get wrapping up here in a minute one of the things again that I I love that I get to work in the energetic realms like on a daily basis is it's it's fascinating to me and one of the things that's always interesting is everybody's belief creates their own heaven or hell, whether there is one or there isn't. So if someone does believe in a hell, then there's aspects when I, as a shaman, go in and travel, I will see their hell. Versus if they don't have a hell, then it's it, there's things in other places, same thing with heaven. So again, here's an aspect that to what you're saying, we are gods, we are literally creating our reality in both the physical, the tangible and the metaphysical. And it's, it's fascinating, it's fascinating. Um and I wanted to touch on you I I've, I've been recently getting to know you but what's funny is my network everyone knows Tony everyone knows Tony for a lot of different reasons that I won't bring up right now. <laughs> but um one of the things we were talking about that I think is awesome that you're starting to branch out into these men's retreats, correct? Yes. Can yep. you can you share a little bit about that for a minute?
1: Sure. Um my, you know these retreats um I've been working on that for a while, and the reason I've been working on it is because I, I saw a profound need for men to be able to have a um, a place to discuss masculinity and to to do manly things in, in a way. A lot of guys I know are are in crisis right now, mm-hmm. and um, the the way that society is right now is not always conducive to men's health. I'll put mm-hmm. it that way, and I so. Um, I've had a lot of guys that I've talked to recently um, they've needed this, they need a connection and, and I think a lot of guys are struggling with the idea and th- and this is especially true because if if you leave religion, if someone's not there to tell you what you believe or you never or had religion, you, believe, yeah. you know if you're not there to be told what it is so so what how does a person whole decide what they hold sacred and what they stand for? Mm-hmm. and so a lot of guys that um, are struggling. To me, they've, in a, in a way, they need to take a look at them personally, like what does it mean to be a man? Mm-hmm. How do you express your masculinity in a positive way?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, uh,
1: you know, there's negative aspects of masculinity and positive aspects of na- masculinity. Mm-hmm. And then there's some really shocking studies, psychological studies and, and other studies that show that men's abilities to have close connections is decreasing Substantially, they don't have close friends, and some of their close friends they designated were mom and dad. Hmm. And in one study, fifteen um, percent of all of the men that were surveyed indicated they had zero close friends, hmm. and that's been decreasing substantially. It it doubled um, since nineteen ninety, and hmm. so there's a trend with men not having a safe space where they can be vulnerable, where they can talk about some of these things. Uh, in their lives, and and then rediscover for themselves what it means to, to be masculine, how they can express it, how they can do that in a way that helps the relationships in their life and helps them to create what they really want to create. Mm-hmm. And I did it all inv- adventure-based. So every single event we do, like we go out in nature, we do cliff jumping and swimming and hiking and um, we want to do river rafting in the future and, and everything's an event because I, I think guys need physical um, exertion. exertion, like they need that physical side too. And you can't just sit there and talk about your feelings all day. Guys need to be able to get vulnerable with guys and that's creating bonds with mm-hmm. other men. And, and so that's kind of the whole point of this. And it all came about because we don't have uh, rites of passage anymore. Mm. And I think that's a problem. So in the old days, uh, you know, and I've studied this, uh, you know, tribal days, things like that, the elders and warriors, they would raid the village, and they'd take all the little boys at that point of age where it was time for them to become a man, and they'd take them from their moms, and the moms would cry and put on this big show and everything, and they'd take the boys out in the wilderness, and afterwards the moms would pat each other on the back, and did you do a good job, you know, it was all part of the tribal plan. And they'd take the boys out there and they'd teach them what it meant to be a man and what it meant to serve the tribe and and all of these things and put them through a rite of passage and ordeals where they'd send them out on their own for a certain amount of time and tell them to get in touch with God and then come back to the tribe. And then they'd have some type of ceremony where they, they would finalize this. And and in that ceremony, the, the boys would accept becoming a man and their responsibilities, and they would willingly choose into that. Mm-hmm. And they had a choice. They could choose to leave the tribe and not be part of that. And it wasn't a negative thing. It's just a choice. Then they would reintroduce them back to the tribes and their mom would treat them like a warrior or treat them like something. And they wouldn't sleep in their mom's tent anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we need to be that way. What I am saying is that um, I think it's critical for men to be able to examine these issues, to, um, to uh, separate themselves from everything for a while and have a retreat or something like that where they can get with other guys and make sure that, that they are reflecting and expressing the things that are important to them about their masculinity mm-hmm. and develop that. And I think families will be healthier, relationships will be oh, healthier, sure. and the guys will be healthier. Yeah. Because they're ignoring their health, they're ignoring their relationships, and they're ignoring all of this stuff in the interest of being a tough guy, and they eventually get to a point where they're burnt out, they can't take it anymore, and they don't know how to express themselves emotionally. Yeah. And then everything falls apart.
0: I think it's awesome that you're doing that. If someone wants to find you and connect, especially with some of these things that you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, I have a website. It's called tribeofpassage.com.
0: Awesome. I'll make sure and put that in the show notes. Okay. But Cool. Um, I usually ask this with most of the guests. Mm-hmm. Is there any... you want um, to close with a prayer? Okay. No. no. Sorry. <laughs> Mother Jaguar. <laughs> um. Okay. So I'm going to tell this funny story really quick. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear <laughs> My it. family does family dinner almost every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I had left, you know, all the discomfort, the uncomfort, I'd still show up. And one Sunday... It was months, maybe a year or so after I left, and I was actually practicing shamanism. And my brother calls on me to say the Sunday, the prayer for dinner. And it was one of those moments, butterflies in my stomach, and I went, I looked at him, I said, sure, Jim, who do you want me to pray to? Mother Jaguar? And everyone started laughing really uncomfortably. My mom was laughing, but like, she quickly, Jim, call someone else to say the prayer. Like, we don't, anyway, so there's a little funny story for you as far as bringing in my You know, those little quirky things that we do once we've left and we're the black sheep. And (laughs) anyway.
1: That that is, that's funny. They they didn't let you finish the prayer?
0: I I asked them, I said, who do you want me to pray to? Because at the time, I, you know, I didn't believe that God. Yeah. Anyway, I still don't. But so I asked most of, actually all my guests, if there's anything that you could give as far as just wisdom of the things that you've learned from where you've been to where you are now with people who are... In that uncomfortable stage of leaving, maybe not knowing their community, what would be something of uh, just a tool or something, a little nugget of wisdom that you would give them?
1: I I think foremost, the, the number one thing for me that is important to remember is um, to be, uh, I think, tender and patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Because um, it, it's really easy in that to feel guilt, to feel shame, mm-hmm. to feel like you're doing things that are wrong. It's, it's so important for people to be authentic with who they really are because they're miserable if they don't live an authentic life. And in doing that, it, there's a, there is a transition and it, it takes time to change people around you mm-hmm. or it is going to be like a Band-Aid and it's just going to be painful yeah. And people might choose out, you might, you know, have a spouse. That's the one thing I haven't had to deal with. And that's why like mine's boring. I haven't had the situation where my spouse is like, okay, well, if you don't go to church, I'm going to divorce you. and I'm going to make sure you never see the kids again. Cause I don't want your devil's influence, you know, mm-hmm. in my children's minds. And like, there's a lot tougher situations. Yeah. And so I think you just need to be tender with yourself. Don't be hard on yourself and be patient and then you will find a way to do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And if, if you do something and it feels painful, don't run away from pain. Yeah. My best learnings have come from the most painful things. And I have to remind that, myself of that because um, I find myself trying to avoid pain and I'm like, no, knock it off. You know, <laughs> this is going to suck. Just, you know, you got to tackle it. Lean in. Yeah. But, but above all, love yourself through that process because yeah. there's nothing wrong with you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being here and sharing your story. It was awesome. Yeah. Even if it wasn't what you were, <laughs> your story was awesome, Tony. So thank you. A lot of wisdom. So I appreciate well, I
1: appreciate it. you having me. Like it's, it's stuff I am always happy to talk about. And, um, it's just, it's fun yeah. to examine life.
0: I agree. Well, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Sending you all so much love. Thank you for joining us today man, each time I have one of these interviews and these stories that are shared, they are always so beautiful and so touching. I hope that something resonated with you. Maybe it was an answer to something that you are seeking. You can find me on my website at amandajoyloveland.com for more information or more conversation there or on social media at amanda.joy.loveland. Have such a beautiful day and remember you are not alone.